Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Long Distance Work Life, the show that is designed to help you work, survive, thrive, preferably thrive better than survive, the crazy world of remote and hybrid work. Uh, my name is Wayne Termel. I am your humble servant. Uh, Marissa is not with us this week, which means we are joined by another really, really interesting interview guest. And joining me today from Tuscany to talk about traveling the world with his seven kids and still getting his work done and avoiding manslaughter charges is Chris Stroud, who is with us today right. in Tuscany of all places. Chris, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you being had. What is what is Stroud Inc? What do you do? And then we'll get to the questions. Sounds great. Stroud Inc., uh, we've been in business since 2009. We're an e-commerce growth consultancy. We actually don't do any of the client work. We are a consultant, which, you know, which means uh, we guide, I should say, I guide, advise, educate, ideate, and network uh, for our clientele. We have about 40 people on the team that support me in some capacity or another. We consult just over 60 to 70 different companies. And we oversee several around just over $2 billion a year in e-commerce. Um, yeah, so, so that's what we do. So that's a real grown-up company. Do you have an office? Uh, actually, no. We have a place that receives mail, but there's not a single office that we attend or go to. Everyone in our company works remote. Now, we will talk about the logistics of that and how do you make a team work remotely and all of that, but let's not bury the lead here. You are basically a digital nomad working around the world doing your thing, and you've got seven, count them, seven kids, five of whom are still in living with the parents' stage, I no, guess. So we have, we have five kids, but total of seven people. That's why we're called the Seven oh. Wayfinders. That's right. We have gotcha. a okay. social brand there. But yes, all five are living with us. They range between the ages of six on the young end uh, to 15, almost 16 on the high end. And there's a special place in heaven for people who can travel with <laughs> teenagers. I there give you is. that. Talk to me about the early stages of this. I mean, you're a hot consultant, things are happening, and suddenly you've got offspring. How did you decide that, no, we're just going to do the moving around thing instead of settling in place? Yeah, so in uh, we started the business in 09, and I went ahead and did all the things most new business owners do and started hiring employees and started building an office. And, you know, after a while, I just really hated going into the office. So I started coming up with excuses to not go into the office. And, and before long, I was just working from home and kind of got rid of that. So for a few years... We'd gotten rid of the office, but we were all living in the same place. We all of our contractors were in Denver. Uh, we had been in, uh, you know, Denver. The family was in Denver, and uh, one day we got a contract offer for a big consulting contract in Utah. Decided to take it. It kind of ripped my wife's heart out a bit because she we had lived a couple blocks from her mom. So after we had our final baby, uh, our fifth, we knew it was our last one, and we were like, you know what, we're in Utah, but honestly, we don't need to be. Everyone we work with now is remote. Our team is remote. Why don't we 
just start traveling and see where we want to live. And so that happened in 2018. We headed out in 2018 and we've been now to more than 46, 47 countries and uh, have been going ever since. And now we spend about six, seven months out of the year in Lisbon, Portugal as like a little tiny bit of a home base for the kids. They do some schooling there. I've picked up Portuguese, but the rest of the time we're traveling around. I, I want to focus for a little bit on the getting stuff done, not losing your mind while you have youngins running around. I mean, when I worked from home in the early days, uh, my I only had one and she was reasonably well behaved. And then she became a teenager and didn't want to talk to me anyway. So it wasn't <laughs> much of a struggle. What kind of rules did you set out with the family? Like, how did you structure this so that it did what it needed to do for your family, but also allowed you to be a big time, big boy consultant? Uh, there, there are so many rules that we established over time. It wasn't like all at once, but I'll, I'll run through them. There's a bunch. So yeah, the first please. thing is I use a LAN, L-A-N line for internet, no matter where we travel. I just couldn't uh, trust the Wi-Fi in hotels, homes, other things like that. So having a solid internet connection gave me the ability to always be crystal clear with the clients. The second thing is I never turn my video camera on. You're going to laugh. This is like literally the first time I've turned it on since like 2013. The reason I don't turn it on is because I don't want clients focused on where I am or what I'm doing or what I'm eating or anything like that. What may be behind me because I may be in a Hong Kong apartment in the back of a closet or I might be in the middle of a big resort or something like that. So I actually use uh, my photo 99.9% uh, .9 of the time. So that's great. This headset here. Yeah, wait a minute. A, let's yeah, go let's ahead. Hold, on, hold on there for a yeah. moment because you speak heresy. And the correct answer <laughs> is fluently. Because we spend a lot of time saying, look, you're trying to connect. You're trying to establish relationships. You don't need the camera on 24-7 but you need it on some. And here you are saying that you're a big shot and don't bother. I, I don't. Very first call with the clients. I'll tell them from the very get-go, I would like to spend more time focused on the conversation and you than looking at what, you know, looking at my picture and how I look. And so I won't turn on my camera and you're welcome to keep yours on or off. And about half of them will turn it off and the other half will keep it on. And Many of my clients have spent literally hundreds of thousands of dollars with me and never met me in person or seen my face on a video camera. What magic do you work that <laughs> allows you to create the connections that you need without the visual component? I mean, I was joking earlier, when you're working with what I'm working with visually, there's limited <laughs> benefit to it. But realistically i mean what is your secret to connecting and building trust with clients if the visual component isn't there that's really interesting because um to a large degree it was the ability to hear me a very you know in a crystal clear environment so i use this sennheiser headset i've actually used the same mm -hmm. headset now for six to eight years i purchased like five of them when i found out they were going to be no longer producing them and um, so I get compliments and comments like that from clients. So they hear me, they can hear me well, they can always hear me. The second thing is I actually do a lot of video and photography in our personal life of our travels. So if you go to Seven Wayfinders uh, on YouTube or Instagram, you'll see a lot of our video and photography there. And people 
really emotionally connect with our family and our vision there. And the year that I we started traveling and posting our travels and our photography and our video, my business tripled. Not only that, I went from working five days a week to working three days a week, and still our business tripled. And so in that situation, the emotional connection comes through the conversational talent, right? The ability to converse, ask questions, you know, have fun. It also came from storytelling people. The number one thing they ask every time I get on, where are you now? What are you doing today? So that became really exciting for them. And seeing the videos of where we were going, seeing what we're doing has encouraged more clients. I've even had clients in business conventions say, I've got a guy, he's in New Zealand. And someone else in the group will say, wait, is that Chris Stroud? I know him too. I've been following with, you know, following them. So I never intended to have the photography or the videos do that, but that was how we emotionally connected is I shared more about our travels, less about business. And that was a differentiator for us. Now, it's interesting because what I'm hearing is that, yeah, you're not staring into a camera, you know, pretending to be in a meeting with them, but there is still a visual, emotional component to the relationship, even if it's them living through you vicariously. Uh, 100%. Which yeah. I think is kind of fascinating. And <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. So anyway, so you were about to tell me the rules. So uh, what what's next? And, and particularly as it relates to managing the kids, the kids and the family. Right. So the first thing is I always work mountain standard time schedule, no matter where we are in the world, whether it's in Asia or whether it's in uh, the U.S. or whether it's in Europe. And so that schedule has allowed me to maintain a physical tolerance to the time changes despite leaving, right, in, into different areas. Because basically I work, and then after I get done working, I go straight to bed, right? And so um, my wife, an amazing woman, really supportive, helps us in the finance and the business. She trained the children that, hey, when dad's asleep or when dad's working, it's school time. That's what we're going to do. So in that circumstance, she was either taking them out to activities on the three days a week that I work, or she was teaching and educating them. And then on top of that, you'll notice here, if I move my mic up and then I move it down, by moving it up, it mutes, it mutes my mic. So in an emergency, I don't have my video on. My child comes piling through the door to ask a question, ask for a drink, announce a problem no one's the wiser. It's a quick mute, but the client doesn't feel like I'm muted because my microphone doesn't show me as muted, which says, hey, I'm listening here and I'm able to resolve an emergency. So between my wife's support, me maintaining the same hours, the kids doing school during that time or activities, having the right equipment, after that, it's just discipline. And there's a lot of internal business systems that we live with and we do that have allowed me to be successful while we while we travel and work remote as well but in terms of like physical apparatus and helping with the kids it's just time and training first year was rough but they're all trained extremely well and when they walk through the door if i tell them if i point at my headset they know i can't talk to dad yet and they'll just rest their hand on my shoulder and wait until i'm ready that's really important i'm interested in the internal business processes that also do that. One of the big things for me was making the adjustment, and this sounds cliche, but it was really important to my mindset, 
was there's a difference between I'm working from home and I'm at home working. Yeah. You know, when you're working, you're working and that's what you're doing. And when you're at home, that's great. You're at home, right? And you're present and doing all the things. But when you're working, you're working and you need to be able to segment that to some degree, I would think. Exactly. And that's trained. That time space was marked off. We wouldn't book over it. It's the same three days a week that we run in terms of that schedule. And the kids know, hey, it's Tuesday. Dad's on calls. Hey, it's Monday. Dad's on calls. Hey, it's Thursday. Dad's on calls. But Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, it's time to play. It's time to have fun. That's very cool. Now, tell me about the internal business processes. What do you do? Because you've got, like you say, 40 people out in the world who are all interacting and working with you and working with each other. What are some of the internal best practices? Oh, so there were so many things we learned right off the bat that were key and critical. First is I can't live in my email inbox. I can't. It's an addiction. People spend far too much time doing it. Um, so we created a process wherein our emails are batched and they're cleaned up by some support team members. They go through every single one of my emails. I right now get around 400 a day. They clean out all of the emails and they take only the most critical ones and they stick them into my start box. I use the, the Google uh, business admin system. So they'll stick them into my start box for me to take a look at. But here's the, the important thing is we noticed while traveling remote that one of the things that clients needed to hear is they needed to hear that I had seen some of the emails they'd sent. Not that I needed to respond to it, but they needed to feel like he's seen those. So one of the things we did is we had the support staff take those emails that like someone sent me a document or said, hey, happy birthday, or hey, I'm going to be in town. They would reply back with things like, thank you. This has been noted. I'll take a look at this later. And what would happen is by doing that, clients felt immediately responded to. So when we went, initially our client load was at seven clients at the time. When we started implementing that simple response process, we went up to nearly 15, 16 clients in less than 90 days. People just felt really heard. Now, what would happen is when that email is seen, a member of our team would see that email and basically read what the email was about. And if it was something I needed to know, they would put it in a channel we have in Slack. Now we didn't use that Slack channel for conversation. That's a rule. We don't shoot the breeze. We don't pass important elements. It's like a library. It's like a journal. So I can open up a client Slack channel and in less than 30 seconds, see every piece of communication that's come from them on a bullet point basis for an entire week. And that allows me to quickly stay abreast of, to, of any work that's being done without having to hover over Slack communication, which we refuse to use Slack as a means of communication. And um, it allows me to stay out of my email inbox, except for around 30 to 40 minutes a day. So the rest of the time I spend on phone calls, I'll do around 30 to 35 phone calls a week. Every call is recorded. Every call is transcribed by our internal quality control team. They will then take every action item and to do, and they will send the transcription directly to the client along with all action items and to-dos, either to our internal team or to their team or to their contractors. So I go from call to call to call to call, and I never have to do anything related now, to there that are three. Work. There are about three things that you have said there that are 
openings that are this big to very deep rabbit holes, but I'm going to be very- <laughs> Pick your poison. I'm going to stay very focused. The first is that for those of us who don't have people, right? We, we don't have a team of humans that can do that, but you can still do things like automate responses. You can, uh, you know, that idea of responding so that the client knows that you're there, but you don't have to drop everything and address that is super important. And some of that can be automated uh, and some of it can be just handled very quickly and it's off your plate and then you can focus on what you need to focus on. There's, yeah, there's a process there, right? We didn't do this all at once. This was iterative. The first thing to do is a, and this is my personal taste, right? Obviously this is what I've done. I ref, the first thing I did is I refused to use Slack. The reason is because to stay up to on Slack, you have to constantly be hovering in it. So what we did is we said, look, if we're going to use Slack, it's only to library information. If someone says, hey, I, I want to communicate with you via Slack, I'd say just use email. Now, that eliminated my need to constantly hover over Slack. The next thing is anyone can download a piece of software that will batch their emails. So the very first thing I did is I just said, you know what, I'm not going to hover always over my email inbox. I'm going to let emails fall in every hour. That was the first goal. So on the hour, every hour, a batch of emails would fall in. I'd go in, clean them out, star the ones that I needed to get to later. And then the rest of my 45 minutes would be free. And I would go do whatever else I needed to do. And that took me about six months to break the habit of constantly hovering over my inbox, which many of us have. I'm bored. I don't know what to do. I don't, you know, the day is progressing. I'm going to check my inbox again and then again and then again. So over time, I migrated from once an hour to twice a day to once a day, right? Next is I moved into getting some help. First, it started with scheduling. And then I had them start managing the email inbox and the responses. That's easy help. You can get contract help, very cheap and inexpensive from anywhere in the world. But to start, start with the email batching and inboxing. That's the easiest one to start freeing up time. That is really, really great advice. And I love what you're sharing with our team. We are almost out of time already, which is just insane. <laughs> oh. I, I know, I know. But given that you are in Tuscany with your bride on your anniversary trip, I can't imagine spending more time with me is what you're looking to do. <laughs> so realistically, what is the one thing we haven't talked about, whether it's uh, managing the family time and the work or just getting the work done? What's the one thing that you desperately want to share with us that we haven't talked about yet? Yes. So yeah, I'll say it's one and a half. All right. So in Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week, and I like a lot of what Tim Ferriss says, but honestly, I don't feel like most of it is applicable or much of it is applicable to many people. But there was one element in there that just stuck with me over and over again. And that was simply, uh, you know, simply that in your life, if you want to make time for something else, you need that something else to ins be inserted into your life to start making time for it. So as an example, it wasn't okay for me to just say, I hope I can cut back on my work schedule or my work-life balance. And then when I have free time, I'm going to choose something. Because in reality, your habits take you back to the same things you've been doing over and over again. So in my life, I chose to insert photography. I went from doing no photography or video to literally I've done hundreds of thousands of photos in the past few years. So that hobby 
that passion is what gave me the drive to not keep doing the same things over and over again. So it's not okay to simply say, I want to change. You need to insert something else into that ecosystem, something else you want more than, than the other elements you're dealing with into that ecosystem in order to change. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that law of the size of the task will expand to fit the time allotted it. It's so true. You have to start setting limitations on yourself. There's an easy app on, on the web called Egg Timer. You can set it on a browser and set yourself a, a time limit of five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever the time, lim time limit is that you want. But you start combining those two tools. You find passions you love more than your work, and you start setting limitations on how much time you're going to invest into tasks and other things like that. And you drill yourself over a period of six months, you will drive yourself to a place where you're ready to start making change. And that should lead to the other elements. Chris, can't thank you enough for sharing that with you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we will have links to Stroud Inc. More importantly, I guess, the Seven Wayfinders uh, YouTube page and the like. So you can follow Chris's adventures. That'd be great. And, uh, you know, ways to reach him, all that good stuff. You'll find that on our website at longdistanceworklife.com. If you have enjoyed the show, and I can't believe that you haven't today, please like, subscribe, tell your friends. Word of mouth is really important growing a show like this. If you hated it, keep quiet. Nobody cares what you think. <laughs> I am going to tell you that Kevin and my new book, if you're trying to figure out ways to think about your team, our new book, The Long Distance Team, Designing Your Team for Everyone's Success is out in the world. You can learn about it at longdistanceteambook.com. Uh, Marissa will be with me next week. Chris, thank you so much for being with us, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Really appreciate it.